you're listening to First Gen Healing, a podcast about Latinx healing and awakening journeys. My name is Priscilla Luna. I am your host. Mujer, let us into your world. My name is Georgina Garay Rosano. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I practice primarily in California. Uh, and I'm now expanding to coaching services. So I'm going to expand to further just because there's such a need within our community addressing yeah. inner child hurt. Um, trauma within our families um, and my population that I work with um, is young adults who okay. are trying to launch and they're trying to, you know, do the things that society tells us to do that our family tells us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yet they're not feeling good. Um, mm-hmm. And the history is coming up and they're wondering how to get unstuck. Uh, mm-hmm. So I do this through trauma processing, um, something called eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which mm-hmm. I can share more about. It's really amazing, but um, it's more so like helping your brain and body process the trauma rather than just talking about the trauma, the things mm-hmm. that have happened. Beautiful. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself so that sure. the audience can get to know you. Uh, so I live in California and uh, my parents are actually from Zacatecas, Mexico. Um, before we moved to where we currently are in Santa Clarita, we lived in Los Angeles and hmm. um, it was hard. I have four siblings. I'm the second oldest, but the first um, female in my family. So okay. I grew up very parentified. I grew up mm-hmm. um Georgina, los niños, Georgina, los niños, like, um, cuídame los niños, fíjate en los niños. Um, and that created a dynamic in my family where I had a lot of power and I had a lot of authority over my younger siblings, mm. um, which I think is very common in our community. Yeah. Um, and it also created a dynamic for me where I wasn't a kid. Um, so even some of the um, questions that you had for me about, you know, likes and things like that I'm like what do I like I don't know I don't know what I like I didn't get to explore and experience hobbies and things like that um so with that a lot of um repairing my relationships with my siblings that I was not their parent um and as a therapist I'm not their therapist wanted to be close to my family yet unable to or needing the boundaries um, and reformatting like what our family dynamic is. Um, And I have my own family now. So I I live with my fiance and we have a uh, nine month old baby girl. So yeah. Um, How beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. And I think, you know, you're kind of already diving into your healing journey. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that can be a little bit tricky because of it's your career essentially too so I'm wondering like did your healing journey start before you went into um, your career did it start once you went into that um, field Mm -hmm. how was that kind of like the timeline for you yeah I think it started before Um, I mean the clear timeline I could say it was during um, grad school because you know, your at least our program, you had to go to therapy and it was like a requirement. Um, so the, the, you know, timeline could be grad school, but I think if I look back, um, you know, conflict that I was having in my home as a kid, like me standing up and rebelling or wanting to have my own voice, mm-hmm. um, having my own needs and my own uh, desires as a teenager, like 
for my family meant I was abandoning them. For my mom, it meant I was abandoning her, yeah. um, especially because I was the good kid. Mm. I was, I had good grades. I took care of my siblings. I took care of my parents' feelings. I took, I just took care of a lot of things. So I think definitely teenage years when, you know, and you have a boyfriend or you have a partner and you start to um, explore other pieces of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think definitely my introduction into like um, something different or like my healing path was having to deal with guilt, um, having to deal mm. with feeling as though I was abandoning or not being a good enough daughter um, for my family or sister. Um, and the severe like physical pain of like feeling like I was abandoning and just not good enough. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you think that awareness of those, because I think sometimes like at mm-hmm. this point in our journey, we have the language for these things, right? Shame, yeah. guilt, like we have the names for them. And mm-hmm. I think also that feeling of that they sometimes make you feel selfish for doing yes. your own thing, which is so interesting mm-hmm. because it's exactly what teenagers want to do. So how exactly. to age appropriate, those things. totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm wondering, um, when you were in those moments is that when mm-hmm. the tr- you like were aware oh I need to do some healing or at what point was it like this isn't off you know I know that I'm kind of I need to do some healing around this did you like mm-hmm. seek therapy or I guess like what was your path you're right about the we don't have words and like this type of um descriptors for it um so no uh, I wish I wish somebody would have seen me um a teacher, um, my parents, my cousins, I had older cousins in the home, that somebody would have seen me that um, would have validated. And maybe even if they couldn't under- fully understand that they would have referred me or like accepted support or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard part with it is that in the moment, I think, and looking back, there was a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and like in its rawest, like, form of like and rudeness is what you know probably my my mom would say um about me becoming like directa you know um and it, I was speaking up I was addressing things that were not right and injustice to me about the amount of weight that was being placed on me mm. um but it was being phrased as no, you know, like we do all this for you and, you know, you're just ungrateful. You're just selfish. Like mm. you said, right. Like these mm-hmm. words that they pierce are like, so like it hurts so deeply because it's not at all our intention to be that way. Sometimes it's because you mentioned like cousins and different people mm-hmm, that could have mm-hmm. played, but sometimes it's them who play the biggest role in keeping you in that feeling, right? So you're yeah. getting it from your parents. And then in some way, like the aunts and uncles and cousins perpetuate or like, mm-hmm um maybe follow lead right and so yes. they're like mirroring the same messages to you of you're in the wrong you should be yes. grateful you're getting everything that you need and more mm-hmm. sometimes right that's what yes. you're so mm-hmm. and so you're so right because it benefits them there there's a benefit mm-hmm. to them for me to be compliant and for me to be a caretaker for me to be reliable mm-hmm. i and and it's like a common thing that 
um, a Georgina yo la puedo dejar en donde sea. Like, oh. she will figure it out. And yeah. I remember my mom used to say this thing, like, la puedo dejar en China. And like, she will figure <laughs> anything out. And I'm like, I sh I'm a kid. Mm. Mm -hmm. How confusing. Yes. I, mm -hmm. don't, I don't need to figure it out. Yeah. I need to be put to the test about... Um, how good I'm going to take care of my siblings and how I'm going to like protect them and shield them. Now in the moment I, I felt good. Mm -hmm. My mom trusts me. Mm -hmm. I'm a reliable person. Yeah. Right. Especially depending on what my age and like developmentally where I was, where I, I'm still seeking that for my mom to be accepted and to be seen by her in that way. Um, So of course that shattered my view of myself also, because what if I'm not this good kid that's reliable and that, I mean, it's just so painful and so um, confusing. Yeah, definitely layered, I would say, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned like anger was kind of like that, like what maybe burst the bubble, you know, or yes. led you into that in those moments, like when you started to seek healing, how did you take care of yourself in separating from that identity? Because what I see mm -hmm. it as is like, we see it as love, right? And pride, mm -hmm. like I'm making my mom proud or making my parents mm -hmm. proud by being this beautiful, responsible, reliable person. Mm -hmm. And then I'm so badly wanting to not be that person and, and identify myself as my own. So mm -hmm. as you're shedding that skin or layer or version of yourself, mm -hmm. were there like, was there people that were there for you? Was there books? Like, what was it that kind of like kept you going on the path instead of like going back to what you're comfortable with, which is being that mm -hmm. version of you? Yeah. There's definitely people Um I think in a similar way, um, those same cousins had experiences with their parents where they were living with us and they were here in the country without their parents. So their parents were still in Mexico. They were living. Okay. And, and it's common in our families, right? We have the cousins, the tios, like we live, um, we figure it out. Um, so I think in some ways those cousins were protective. I mean, they didn't know to refer me to therapy services or they didn't know that. Um, but I think they were always um, wanting to see um, and support my dreams, even though they didn't understand them. Mm -hmm. So if my dream was um, going to school or doing something um, that I chose for myself, um, mm -hmm. then, then I had their unconditional support and they didn't have to understand it to support it and that was just it um I think definitely that I, I do like I said um have an older brother um he was definitely the the one that set the tone um in in us going to school um and he calls himself the guinea pig because he didn't know he had to do all the things um And I think just having support and having those around me, even if they were like close in age, um, that there was just even the tiniest bit of possibility for something being different. Um, yeah. Just something, something. And, and that held um, a space for me to, um, to see that like little like sliver of hope um that one day maybe I wouldn't have to rely on my parents and I, I could do things for myself mm -hmm. um but in the moment I don't know 
And the moment you think the feeling is like deep sadness and grief that I'm living this, that this is my reality. Wow. And, you know, I was, I was about to say how beautiful that you had people supporting your dreams, let's say. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, but it was, I can feel it. It's like a glimpse of though, right. It wasn't like this impulse of like, you got this, you're worthy, all of that good stuff. And I guess even the glimpse is beautiful that you had that. It's, It's painful in the moment to either have none or to just have a sliver, even like, like that is so foreign. It's so distant. And I'm like holding on to it for dear life. And there was days where I remember specifically, I went to community college before I went to, um, I transferred to Cal State. And um, I don't know why it's like, uh, like burned into like my memory, this, this piece of like, um, I was really sad during community college, but I had the goal Mm -hmm. and I had the sliver, you know, but Mm -hmm. I was really sad. Um, And maybe let's say my class was like at 9am. And I would only have one on some days and I would come home and I remember my like watching myself. Okay. Like um, how the deep sadness of like me walking up the stairs to go be- get back into bed. I would do the things. I would go wow. to class and I would show up and I would do well. And then as soon as I was done and I performed or did what I had to do, my energy was depleted and I would just like curl back up into bed and sleep and separate, separate um, from the day-to-day things. Um, I look at myself back then now, and I'm just like, uh, holding grace and compassion for myself that I'm just like, you were pushing, but you were in so much pain. I think that's the piece of it. Like, um, looking back at me then, I'm like, oh, yeah. there was so much sadness that was just very apparent. Mm. And in those moments that you were going to school, did you live at home or did you live mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. on your own at home? Yeah. Okay. And so yeah. how was that environment like for you? Mm-hmm. It seems like school was not something that was in the plans or in the like something that was looked good upon, I guess. It was maybe like your own thing that you wanted to do for yourself. It was a bit of both. I think definitely um, like my older brother went to school because that was the plan that our parents okay. set for us. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think um for me, I had the freedom or the flexibility where I wanted to follow the path and I was happy to follow it. Um, but because I had my brother as the middle kind of between my parents and I, he yeah. would give me feedback and say, you, know, you don't have to go to school if you don't want to. Wow. So that freedom, like to have a different difference of opinion. And he would say, you know, we will probably make it like we'll probably be fine if we do go. But you could just work. We we all worked at Six Lives as siblings. So like, oh no, I'm gonna get stuck here, or I'm gonna, and then I would you know push or move move past it. But definitely the environment within the home. Um, I mean, I would fall asleep, and my mom was asleep in the other room. Okay. Okay. So so the they it was uh, very parallel to what was happening in the home. Um, the you accomplish and you keep going and you do all of those things unless you're a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Was your mom a stay-at-home mom? Mm -hmm. Okay. And on, Mm -hmm. so she was a stay-at-home mom, but still relied on you when it came to your siblings, would you say? Yes. 
mm-hmm. even when you were going to school? Yeah, because there was a, a point where she wasn't a stay at home. So, so when we were okay. very young, my we did need the support to help each other um, with siblings and homework. And she didn't know English, so I could translate and I could help in that way. And mm-hmm. we know that 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 there are those additional pieces of um, caregiving that involve, you know, um, my parents maybe got to second, third grade when they were in Mexico. So there are just limitations that they can't do. Um, yeah, uh, but but overall, um, like, you know, my siblings then were teenagers and she needed my help with giving them direction or showing them the way, like get them to fall in line, to go to school also, to not ditch, to what I heard is, um, especially if that was my history, right, of being compliant and um, a third little parent. Yeah, I think I noticed that in like the first ones that I work with, it's not that we're, it's kind of like we're partners to our parents rather than um, siblings to our siblings, right? And it's so funny that you say that because I don't think it's talked about enough Mm -hmm. that that dynamic of we're like partners to our parent, like, that's a very interesting dynamic. And it's yeah. so real that um, uh, it, it, it's a lot of stuff with my mom, but um, my mom used to say, like, si no está Samuel, my dad, mm-hmm. I know I have Georgina. Mm. Y yo me siento cómoda and like, like them, like I, like I have my partner is what she's saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that also, you know, me feeling good back then, but now I'm just like, (gasps) (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that just like makes that weight that you're already carrying even heavier, right? Like just to take that off is to take away potentially love and this part, like whatever, you know, as love, right. In those moments. Um, so Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always have so much like respect for anyone who goes through mm-hmm. this journey because I, we know there's just something that's off, you know, and it feels heavy. Yes. And so you start to kind of like shake out of it. But in mm-hmm. in the midst of that, there's a lot that happens at home. It's looked down yes. upon. It's looked like rebelling, like un- ungratefulness, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so at what point did you start to feel freedom and kind of like maybe empowerment within yourself mm-hmm. of no longer feeling like I'm rebelling instead, knowing that this is just what I need to do? Mm-hmm. I think that was way later. Um, I think um, my first therapist, I think, uh, I was with her maybe like two years and I don't feel bad for her because that's her job, (laughs) but oh man, like it was the same topic that I was dealing with over and over and over again. Mm. And she held a beautiful space for me, but I was just like, here I go again, crying about, you know, the guilt and here I go again, crying about the guilt and I can't separate. And this is really hard. Um, And it was because it was my first experience in therapy and it was a positive one. I had a prior one, but that one doesn't count. I didn't see him again. That one was okay. not positive much, but can, this can other one. talk about that a little bit? Because I think it takes a lot of impulse to finally get to the point where you're going to seek therapy, especially if you're on this journey on your own. When you finally get that courage and then you mm-hmm. run into your first session and it's not what you're expecting, Um, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think it's helpful for others that maybe have had a not so positive Mm. experience at first, and it discourages them. 
You're right. And I, and I think um, first as a therapist myself now and being in the field um, for a long time now, um, I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry that this happens and that this continues to happen because it's one thing to not be helpful as a therapist. That's one thing. It's another thing to cause harm and to have somebody feel so discouraged that they may not even seek out anybody else. Yeah. That is not okay. That is not, shouldn't be happening. And because it's such a private experience um, and confidential and all of these things, you end up leaving and feeling like you're the one Wait. Did I do something? And it's a continuation of what has happened in our lives. Um, and a lot of the times my role as a therapist is repairing damage that I haven't created, that other therapists have done where they're not trauma trained. They shouldn't be doing trauma treatment. Um, they don't have the awareness to tune in culturally and to understand our backgrounds. Mm. They don't even care. They will literally say, you know, like, well, you know, you can move out of your home. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? I yeah. didn't. I'm this many years old. Like, I didn't know that before. I would, if I could, I would. If I could emotionally separate um, from feeling these like deep grief and guilt and all of these things, I would. I'm coming to you for that help. What are you? absolutely sometimes like oh okay (laughs) yeah I mean that lack of and I think that's so powerful too that there is um people that are now in the field right that will understand that first-run experience because and you know that's obviously why I want to speak out on this too and like make a platform around this because Mm -hmm. I think that there are so many layers and nuances to our experience that are not understood by someone who has not been through this journey um when you were saying this I just remembered a conversation with that, that I had with one of my bosses where I was explaining to her that at seven years old I was ordering like six subways and remembering six subway orders because no one else like spoke English right and Mm -hmm. so she was like what I can't even like picture that I can't even imagine that right and I was Mm -hmm. like yeah and they would still get mad at me if I got the order wrong you know (laughs) there's no winning yeah (laughs) yeah exactly I'm trying the best Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I don't know that just like flashback how, like it was so far removed from her reality because she was a child at seven and I was like, yes, not that, you know? Yeah. And that with that, that piece of like, I'm not sure what I was right. Because we're constantly living between the space of your, you have responsibilities some certain responsibilities, but don't forget I'm the parent and you have authority over your siblings, but you don't right? Like yes. I'm the parent in the house, mm-hmm. but yet You're if something dictating. goes wrong, mm-hmm. like then I look to you, why did it go wrong? Like yeah. it's such a strange dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that when we end up, um, and I mean, my anger, my rage that I would call it, I think eventually I figured out, I'm like, I really need to work through this. Um, and it wasn't directed at anybody. It but, but that, that those feelings it was because I was constantly backed up into a corner. It was an impossible thing for me to be my mom's partner. It was impossible. I was not going to be able to ever accomplish these things. Yeah. So, you know, 
my partner got a lot of it. I've been with him since I was 21 years old. Um, so he got a lot of like the, um, the things from my childhood where I wanted a happy, healthy relationship, but I was not engaging in that way. Um, and that was really hard. It, it was really hard for us to figure it out and mm-hmm. his own trauma history and his own background also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine like when you start establishing your own relationships, the vision of what they should look like is skewed, right? Yes. And in some ways we even take pride in I'll do anything for my family and that kind of like, like verbiage that I think Mm -hmm. I understand where it's coming from and I resonate with it. But at the same time, I think it can be really damaging because Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, I'll do anything for my family, except actually listen to you when it comes to our parents. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I'll do anything for my, for, for my sibling, my friends, but if my child is telling me something is wrong and I need help in some way, they can like turn Mm -hmm. the other cheek. I think sometimes, and especially now, uh, years into my journey and kind of like Mm -hmm. seeing the changes in my mom, now she has the language and now she can express it as I wasn't ready for that conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. I had my own stuff that I was hiding from. And so you bringing them up, like it's essentially triggering them in the yeah. moment you feel like, man, I'm hurting my parents. I'm not doing the right mm-hmm. thing. I'm the bad one. Right. And yet yeah. I'm expected to succeed. And you're competing with people that are not dealing with all of this resistance that you are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, you're um, it's a lonely path. Mm. Um, and I think early on, I think I definitely, would gravitate towards like, let me just like find somebody that may have a similar story and like, like latch almost like, like, yeah, girl, like this is how it is. And we would, you know, uh, relate on that, but then also hold space for each other to be able to no longer be alone in it. I'm thinking of one specific friend that I have in from grad school um, where it's just like, okay, We've, we found each other. Um, we're not letting go. Uh, and, and there are definitely those spaces because our program is cohorted. So there's 10 of us okay. that go through it together. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely those spaces where, you know, a lot of them were white and they didn't have our upbringing and our, our uh, circumstances. So a lot of the times when there were certain things that were happening, she and I would like look and then like, okay, like we're <laughs> picking up, we're picking up what's, what's happening right now. Okay. Um, and then even just that validation was really, really helpful to get me through. Mm. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Isn't that also, I'll like name that, that I think that sometimes in friends, we find what we can't find at home, whether it's like validation or understanding um, mm-hmm. or even space holding. I don't think that I had space held for me in my home environment that wasn't like a priority, let's say. So it's so beautiful to know that if you're finding it in friends and you feel that frustration Mm -hmm. that you're not finding it at home, just know you're not alone. Mm -hmm. A lot of us kind of get out of the circumstances that we're in first through friends, maybe, you know, or some sometimes even online personas, let's say that maybe we don't know personally, but we're resonating with what they're saying and their story and things like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would love to know, like, with all of the difficulty, I think that sometimes comes with being a first gen. What is something mm-hmm. that maybe you love about being a first gen? Yeah. Um, I think definitely the food, um, and not as in eating it that mm. we all love. <laughs> I think um, 
the creating and the preserving um, things about our culture through food, um, mm. whether it is a molcajete, um, and I've been asking my mom for one, but she says they're not made the same. So we need to, you know, get one that's made <laughs> with this specific rock or something okay. in Zacatecas. Um, so um, the tools that we use for the food um, and specifically like the food that I grew up um, smelling um, mm, and, mm-hmm. and eating like th- that, that environment, because I think that was safe for my mom and I to talk about. Um, it was okay. safe for us to mm, relate to each other on those things. Um, and for a long time, I didn't cook Mexican food. Mm. I would, um, and, and it took me time to realize that I would feel, um, critiqued, um, by my mom over I wasn't doing it right or I was doing it in a floja way like I wasn't doing the long way to to make whatever it is that she um and it, it took a lot of like uh exploration and living on my own I moved out prior to um moving with my fiance um okay. so I lived with a friend first and I would just explore like and it was always my mom's food Mm. but now I had the (laughs) I had the safety to explore that food to where she wouldn't be critiquing me or I could call her and ask her and then I could step away and then try it on my own and Mm. if it was good it was good and if not then I had to eat it or not and that it was fine I didn't get extra critiques or extra things there's you know this certain salsa that I make that's like with tomatillo milpero that's like the very tiny tomatillo um it wasn't until I made it once for like a carnazada that we were making and my brother my older brother was like no I was like it's so good huh and it was like um maybe the way my mom would have made it but it this one was like specifically like really you know you don't replicate it all the time um but it was really really good so this connection to food and to um having a safe topic to to talk uh, with my mom um and her feeling good about it too food was a connection point let's say for your to your family and also to your mom and yeah. mm-hmm. and that i preserve as a um uh a piece where now I think about my daughter and I'm like, she's smelling the same oh, sense. Wow. And that's so special to me. And she like, if she can, she grabs the bowl of frijoles and she's like, like everywhere. And that's really special to me to still um, have all this hurt and to hold on and preserve um, the things that, that are positive about our, our family and where we come from. Yeah, definitely. I want to mm-hmm. ask you, what are you currently working on? I know we we got a little bit of what you do. So maybe if yeah. you want to expand on that and where people mm-hmm. can find you. Sure. Uh, so I, like I mentioned, I offer one-on-one coaching to anyone. It doesn't have to be in California. In California, I do offer therapy services. Um, and a little bit of a distinction, the therapy services would be a diagnosis, trauma treatment. Like that's what we would mm, do. Um, okay. uh, like I had mentioned with the EMD, are the trauma processing, um, which you don't have to have trauma to, to do that type of treatment. Um, it's just, if you have core things that you're wanting to work on, like, um, 
core beliefs about yourself, like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, those types of things, we would process the rapid eye movements, uh, which are really effective in reducing. So if you're coming in with like a really high uh, level of distress, like um, mm-hmm. eight out of 10, that after uh, working together that you would leave and genuinely about the topic feel like that's a one or that's a two. Like, wow, I don't feel the powerful. same way about it. It's very powerful. And um, so that's in regards to the trauma treatment. And then the coaching is just topics that impact our community. Um, mm-hmm. So I offer space um, for that. And I am wanting to launch uh, and do more workshops and things for more people uh, regarding intergenerational uh, hurt and healing. Uh, so that's that's my next kind of stage. And people can find me on Instagram, my full name, Georgina Garay Lozano, and on in TikTok, uh, Georgie Garay. Uh, okay. That's how they can find me. Yeah. Perfect. I'll make sure to tag you and I put yes. the links and everything. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So what is a favorite healing or mindful tool that you use on a regular basis? For me and for my clients, it is your body. You have your number one tool, which is your body. Uh, It's constantly sending you messages, uh, especially I'll just speak to um, uh, what I experience and the common things that I hear, Mm -hmm. Uh, your throat tightness, tingliness, uh, not in your throat is telling you something, um, your heart um, expanding or achicharrandose, like making it really, really, really small, um, is telling us something, especially regarding certain topics, um, your stomach, um, uh, the jitter, like that feeling of like butterflies in your stomach, or sometimes even it moving up or down, uh, depending on what's happening. But your body's definitely telling you. I would go as far to to even say, check in with how often you're going to the restroom, your bowel movements, people who are not expressing and people who are not um, saying what they feel and expressing tend to struggle a lot with constipation. They tend to struggle a lot with um, stomach issues. So really listening in and tuning into your body, it's going to be your biggest, biggest tool. Okay, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what is something that you do for yourself on a regular basis? Yeah. I sleep. I think it's always been a priority, whether I'm in grad school or whether I have this new baby, like I Mm. need help because I need to sleep or I need, I need, um, I need to figure out my sleep schedule because that will impact my mood and that'll impact the rest of my days. Um, so definitely I make it a habit to, um, have good sleep hygiene. What Mm. about a song that you like to listen to when you need a little pick me up, needing to feel inspired? Anything old school Shakira. Oh, yeah. Anything <laughs> in Espanol. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> because it brings me back to like the house that we lived in in LA. And it was like me, I don't know. <laughs> I would stand on top of like the, the because, you know, I was responsible. So I was like cleaning or whatever. But I would stand on top of this um, dining room, whatever, like chair. And then I would just like sing my heart out. So I, I wrote down Anthologia um, because it brings me back to that time um, where things were, even though I had responsibility, where I see like glimmers of like joy oh, in myself, yeah. like my true self. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Old school Shakira is where it's yeah, at. Exactly. <laughs> the black haired version of her, right? Like yes. her first album. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it always brings me back. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. What about favorite quote or advice? Interestingly, I think it's um, it's the one that my mom said to me about. I know I can trust Georgina, and I know that. So even though for her it was for the purpose of receiving help or support, um, I think I like to believe that she saw something in me. Um, mm. And that for a parent to see their child, it's making me emotional. For a parent to truly see like their child's like potential yeah. is so special. Because as you can tell, like I absorbed it and I said, you're right, mom, I can't do anything. Mm. And I truly, truly held it. Um, I don't want to be in China. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah. But I do. Um, I do want to feel good, and I do want you to see the value in me. Mm. Yeah. To be seen. That's yeah. so important. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I resonate with that a lot. Um, yeah. I didn't feel seen, so mm. I my mission in life is to f- make others feel seen. And so it's yeah. beautiful that like you, you're turning that, that maybe at some point caused pain into yes. something that gives you that empowerment, right? Of yes, I can mm-hmm. do anything. And I was doing mm-hmm. it since I was young. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Know, you. It's important. Yeah. Um, is there any like influencers or just like, you know, I mean, that's the word that we use now, but mm-hmm. is there anyone that you follow that leaves you feeling um, inspired or like with a message of positivity that maybe mm-hmm. fellow listeners can also tune into? The one that I, that comes to mind just because I followed her for a very long time and have been very consistent about like feeling um, like she's on a path and it's like very inspiring. Um, her at on Instagram is my leak. Um, and she's from Inglewood, I think. So I think Inglewood's pretty close to where we used to live in LA. Okay. She lives in Atlanta now, but she talks about, she talked about it for a long time, um, uh, welcoming like a relationship into her life. And then now she has two kids and now mm-hmm. it's sort of like, like, las cosas cambian, you know, like, like things change. And now the path that she's on with her two children is um, gentle parenting to parent when we didn't get certain things uh, growing up. So I think definitely my leak is someone to follow. I think she does a beautiful job, whether it's career or parenting or relationship things. I think it's just so versatile. Like you can get so many different things um, from her content. Mm, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And then what's yeah. a book or a movie that makes you feel good? Makes me feel good. Lately, I've been into, I don't know why. It's like um, anything that's like fighting or. What? <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> or like action packed. Either. Okay. The, the one I watched recently was The Warrior. And I am not a big movie person, but my partner was playing it. And I was like, you know, kind of watching, uh, listening in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just like, oh, so what happened to his dad? And then I'm like, 
you know, leaning into it. And then I ended up and it was like a boxing or MMA type of, I don't know why, (laughs) but I think it was the story, the story of like what happens. And it, and obviously I'm always looking for um, stories about hurt and um, recovery and uh, coming out the other side. So I think maybe that's why that movie like really got to me, the warrior. The warrior. All right. This is our last set of questions. O salsa verde or roja? Roja. When you said verde, I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> what? But what roja. about the salsa that you make? Is it, it roja? roja? Oh, roja. okay. 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 But you can make verde. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Orchata or Jamaica? Orchata, but mm, not the package stuff. The, the real Ooh, one. yeah not yeah. the boing or whatever no the, yeah no. La, those yeah. machines that we see in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay what about reggaeton or hip-hop hip-hop but neither um I'm really okay. into banda okay. and like tamorazo but Ooh. of the two I would say hip-hop what is your taco order especially because you lived in LA so I'm assuming you have a go-to taco order because I lived in East yes. LA so oh, what yeah. is yours um probably cuatro de asada con todo that's my go-to um sometimes I mix it up but and salsa roja don't even don't even put the green near me like no the roja (gasps) is the best I will try it I will try it because some like some places do have um good good ones spicier no chilaquiles son rojos <laughs> but you said, Ooh, okay. but no, words. in general, <laughs> just that's in general, son yeah. um roja. Yeah. Roja for you guys. No? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, and then this last one I haven't developed this section, but it's finished mm-hmm. the lyrics, so it's just one. Si una vez dije que te amaba. I know it's Selena, but it's like <laughs> me arrepiento, or what is it? Yeah. Oh, me arrepiento. Okay. I do want to say thank you so much for being on my podcast and for sharing your story and opening up about it. I'm sure Mm -hmm. a lot of people will resonate with your story. To all of our listeners, I hope you guys enjoyed today's session. Cuídate mucho and share this episode with your amigos, amigas, amigues, if you found it helpful. Remember, First Gen, I love you. I love me. And I can't wait for you to love yourself.